Are you wondering where nurses fit in on primary care teams? Are you interested in better understanding the scope of nursing practice in primary care? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. All right, so Morgan, today we're going to focus on the role of nurses in primary care. And I'm really looking forward to this episode as I feel like nurses are the missing piece of the primary care puzzle. You've worked with a few nurses in primary care, right? Yeah, Sarah, I have. And I was fudging a little bit with our opening questions because I've been working with nurses for years in primary care and lots of different roles with nurses in different teams in primary care over the last two decades, from in the clinic to outreach to shelters to mobile outreach out on streets and into tent cities. I've worked with nurses in a whole bunch of different settings over the years. But I'm right in thinking that for a long time, kind of nurses in primary care weren't very common, maybe more common in the community health center. But most nurses, what comes to mind is sort of hospital or long-term care settings. Yeah, I think historically it was more common that nurses were part of primary care. And then in recent decades, it's been less and less common. And so now we don't think of nurses in a traditional family doctor's office. We think of the family doctor or a group of doctors and MOAs. So you're right in that sense, for sure. Well, it's interesting to think about how it's evolved over time. And I think nurses are able to provide a lot of support and do a lot of really important work of kind of the caregiving aspect of care. So really wonderful that they're coming back into this primary care space. And I think that's one of the things we've seen with primary care networks, too, is a common role that folks are looking at adding is the primary care nurse. One of the nurses we interviewed, Janie, who we're going to hear a lot from in this episode, used the analogy of like a tennis match to describe how nurses support team-based primary care. When a team adds a nurse, it kind of allows full court coverage of patient care, the additional bandwidth for care that doesn't fall into the scope of other team members like MOAs or pharmacists, but that needs more time, follow up for frequent care, which isn't always something that a primary care provider is able to do. So nurses can field both those longer volleys, maybe spending more time with patients who require more monitoring, as well as those kind of short tips over the net, the quicker triage of care, wound care, immunizations, vitals, urgent assessments, that kind of stuff. So it's a really interesting combination of those longer relationship pieces and then the more acute. Now, I, I don't play tennis, but I like that analogy. I think also the idea that nurses are supporting expanded coverage of the care from the team. And scope of the nurse, it overlaps a lot of what primary care providers do. It's a large overlap compared to other roles that can join a team, at least for the roles we have in BC. And we definitely heard about the wide scope in our interviews for this episode. Today, we're going to hear from three nurses. One nurse who works in two primary care clinics, and then we'll hear from two nurses who work across both the primary care and urgent care sides of a UPCC. I hadn't really thought about how much the setting a nurse works in is going to really influence, and not so much the scope, because the scope of nurses, I think, stays the same, Mm -hmm. but what they actually do to support those clinical settings. Yeah, I think you're right. The scope is there. It's how the nurse and the team work together and what parts of the scope are being utilized. So let's talk about some of the things that are definitely in scope. In my experience, there's some of the basic things like taking basic vitals, taking histories from patients. Then you get into things like chronic disease management. And that's both the following of care plans, but also the proactive recalling, chatting with patients, coaching, doing some of the assessments, providing education. 
I think you mentioned it earlier around injections and other preventive care, different screenings for people of all ages, really. And then on the urgent side, nurses are so good at triage that you have this whole other side of their scope of practice that can be really valuable. And Morgan, I think I've heard you say before, a nurse isn't equal to a nurse isn't equal to a nurse, Mm -hmm. right? It also depends on what people have experience in, where interests lie, where people might have taken extra training. And that's, I think, really important to recognize, not just in the nursing role, but across all roles in primary care teams. So these are all part of the nurse scope of practice. Let's meet Janie Patrick, a primary care network nurse working in two primary care offices, one large urban clinic with seven physicians and one small rural clinic with a single physician. She splits her time across these two settings, and her role is very different in each of them. Here's what she says about her scope. I'm looking at what the physicians are up to and supporting them in whatever way possible. So that was the first thing I found out about the job is that I'm here to support the physicians in practice. So I looked at what they were doing, and we started with basic stuff like injections, things like that that were time-consuming for them and very quick and easy for me to just kind of slot in automatically. The second clinic is more based on chronic disease and more ongoing, seeing patients regularly for things like weight loss support, whereas the bigger clinic tends to be, well, this needs to be done today, this needs to be done tomorrow. There's more kind of flying by the seat of your pants in terms of what's ready, what needs to be done, what doesn't. So these two clinics work with Janie very differently. And I think it's not just the size of the clinic, but it's how they've chosen to work together and what needs Janie's filling in the different clinics. Obviously, in the larger clinic, she's filling more of an adaptable, in-the-moment-to-moment kind of role. And in her second clinic, her time is much more scheduled with pre-booked chronic care. Both of these work well, and they can be really valuable in different settings. And actually, Sarah, both can happen in the same clinic, of course. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So are you both ending something right now? You know, that isn't making a decision. Right, I know. And I'm not suggesting starting with all the things because it's hard to start doing everything. Definitely when a nurse starts and joins a practice, figure out where is the most obvious need and the best fit and start there. So don't both end from the beginning, but know that the scope for any nurse is very broad. And we also hosted a team-up webinar in March. Suzanne Braithwaite, the president-elect of the Canadian Family Practices Nurses Association, alongside Tannis Anderson, who is a clinical nurse specialist for primary care, and Melissa Rowe, a regional practice leader from Interior Health's professional practice office. They talked about scope optimization and role ambiguity, which is very much this idea that the scope can be really broad, but narrowing focus in a role can also be really hard. Highly recommend taking a listen to this episode if this is something that sounds interesting to you. Sarah, the role ambiguity is something that we see again and again in our work. We always assume we know what each other's supposed to do. We've worked together in a hospital during our training or what have you. And so there's often a lot of unspoken assumptions. And then when there's overlap in what we can do, if that's not cleared up and the rules clarified, people don't get to work the way they want to. One place where I think there's maybe less rule ambiguity seems to be urgent primary care centers, UPCCs. I think this is partly because people come from acute care often. And the UPCC teams are already really clearly defining roles because they're working more like an emergency room setting, the lower kind of acuity of those urgent visits. And also, Sarah, some of it is the top-down design. 
the urgent primary care centers in BC are newer. And so there's been a lot of planning that happens with the team in, in focus to start with. And that top-down approach has helped with role clarity for sure. And that can also be really important when there's rotating staff, which there can be for UPCCs with multiple shifts. And a lot of the folks who've had the chance to connect with who work in UPCCs have this kind of, oh, I work in a couple of UPCCs, right? Spence Newell works in this way. He's a nurse in two UPCCs, and he shared with us a bit about his scope, which is, again, really different from what we heard from Janie. I really enjoy teaching patients something they weren't aware of. I just like helping people. And when I see that there's actually some mileage that comes from that, I feel really good about it. So an example is when there were the Tylenol and Advil shortages, and we started handing out resources that showed how to take an adult dose of Tylenol or Advil, crush it, formulate it based off of your kid's weight. And I think that was really helpful for a lot of parents. Yeah, it's a lot of triaging when you're doing the urgent care side of things and then some tasks as well, calling patients about results, follow-up, that sort of thing. During the primary care side of things, it's a lot of intake, talking about medications, sometimes assessing them if they can't be seen by their nurse practitioner that day. And then a big part of it is those intake visits and getting a set of vitals and a brief quick history or the reason for the visit before they do see their nurse practitioner. Triaging can be a key nursing task, but not just in a UPCC, in community health centers and regular primary care clinics, it can be really important as well. I think nurses can do an initial assessment of patients to determine severity and help make decisions about who they need to see and how soon. And this can happen on the phone as well. And this can really help the patients, but it also helps the MOAs and other clinicians so that the right people see patients at the right time. Janie also talked about triage as well, but the kind of triage that arises once you know a patient, once you have that overtime assessment of how someone is progressing, and you can really identify changing care needs for patients with their primary care provider over time. Every single day I hear, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to have the chance to talk to you. I'm so glad to have the chance to air all the different things I needed to talk about or go through this and this and this. And sometimes I'll hear things that are quite shocking and I'll be talking with the doctor going, um, you know, this is going on. Did you know? And then it'll be like, okay, oh my goodness, we better make an intervention here. So it's very natural teamwork where we just cover for each other and really look out for what's going on with the patient. And if you structure the visit and the team so that if there's a more urgent need that expands, then a nurse can be really helpful in sort of being able to take that on during the day. And I think what we've heard from all of the nurses that we chatted with is that relationship focus is so central to their own enjoyment in their work. The blended model is interesting because I hadn't worked in urgent care previously. If you've had a slew of urgent care shifts to pick up a primary care shift and just sort of be able to build those relationships with patients and see people again. And it's not just a turnstile or anything like that. You get to follow up with them, see how they're doing. That continuity of care is a lot of fun. So the relationship focus is absolutely why I became a family doctor. And I know many people in primary care, that's often the driving force behind their job satisfaction. And it's important if you haven't done team-based care to realize that being part of a team doesn't impact that. And in fact, it can strengthen my relationship with patients because collectively we're working and doing more for them. One of the things that came up over and over again in our interviews was the ability of nurses to observe across the patient population and identify specific gaps in care and really find innovative solutions. Janie has a great story about how this really created opportunities for her to think about working to top of scope or in a different way. 
as noticing that I was seeing a lot of elderly, isolated people. So I was the only one seeing them because they'd make it into the clinic to see me, but there was nobody else seeing them. I saw one, then I saw another one, and then I saw another one, and I thought, okay, wait a minute, you guys are all suffering from the same things. Yes, you have, you know, we need an injection or whatever, but you know what, you're suffering from the same things that you're isolated. So I started a group. And I'll just start a group and say, come to the clinic, come on in and meet each other. So you very basic kind of social, come in and say hello and let's hear your story. And then I asked them if we could think of ways to outreach to other elderly people or other people that were isolated at home, not necessarily elderly. And so that ongoing group, it's an option for people to connect in if they'd like to. It turned out that those people are connecting with each other way outside of the group here, which was always my goal. The link between physical medicine and the social care needs is important for all of us. And if that patient's booking multiple appointments to help meet some of their social connection, it really can stretch the capacity of providers in the system. We don't have the time, unfortunately, to support patients to the degree that they might need. And so I really appreciated how Janie was creative and found this innovative way to support those patients. Spence also shared an example of noticing a gap in care. At one UPCC, they noticed that sexual health was really something that they were seeing a lot of visits for and that wasn't addressed elsewhere in the community. And their UPCC took steps to fill that gap by adding a skill set for nurses. I do have colleagues who have done the sexual education enhanced certification for nursing. They're able to diagnose SCIs, test for SCIs, treat SCIs, do pap tests, do counseling. And I think it's been a really rewarding, enhanced scope of practice that we've gained. For instance, the other day, one of my colleagues, we had seen a lot of, I think it was chlamydia that day, but five patients whom she treated and tested and everything. And that got to save them the whole waiting to see a doctor, it got to save them the whole waiting for all these additional steps and hurdles and obstacles. One thing we know from the TeamUp webinar on nursing scope of practice is that the scope of practice for nurses is large, and some areas of scope require extra training or skill. And I think there are certain things that nurses will learn through acute care that are directly applicable, and then there are some that aren't, Sarah. So preventive care probably falls more into public health and primary care, more so than it does emerge, although certainly people will try to squeeze in a little bit of prevention wherever they can. What did you hear from uh, the interviews about how nurses are involved in preventive care work in primary care? Oh, I have a really good story from Janie about this. She and the MOA in one of the clinics reviewed EMR data and called in all the hypertension patients who hadn't been seen in the previous year. The MOA phoned them, set up a recall appointment, and they met with Janie to do a review of how they were doing. Through that process, they caught a few patients who were at risk for serious health complications. Probably the biggest one of those was a fellow who... It was a young fellow whose blood pressure was so high that it was amazing that he was either walking around. He was quite enthusiastic and he was about to hike way up into the Alpine region up north of Whistler. And the doctor and myself feel that he wouldn't have made it. So he was, he just got medications, the the hike got postponed. And there's really that kind of immediate feedback that you see, which is rewarding for sure. So preventive care, often it has to fall to the bottom of the priority list. We have to respond to the urgent needs and the chronic care needs of patients. And I think this has a huge potential for the role of nurses in primary care teams and using EMRs to define those patient groups and then get them to come in and see a nurse is a great team activity to boost the quality of care. So let's talk about nurses as part of teams. 
Janie talked about her role in anticipating the needs of primary care providers and trying to always remain open to jumping in. I guess that's the key right there is the attitude. My attitude was from every single day, okay, how can I help? How can I help with this situation? How can I help with this patient? What's going on with you? What's going on with your day? It's just being aware, like paying attention, being adaptive, seeing what needs to happen and anticipating, wow, I'm going to be able to help with that. One example that I heard that I really want to share is about how teamwork happens in practice at a clinical level. So Janie shared an example of working with a social worker and a primary care provider and why it was so different than simply referring patients between providers. I'll be seeing the patient and, oh my gosh, you need the social worker. I can help you with that. So I will talk to them a little bit, get the background, find the reasons why I'm feeling that they need the social worker. You know, there's a reason. And what I'm doing then is providing the social worker with a background of what's going on here, you know, so that they can just come right in and go straight to the problem and be that much more effective as well. And actually, the person that we saw last Thursday, we both went in to start with, and then I could provide for the patient that feeling of team care is really happening. And they and they saw both of us together. And I said, is it okay if I tell the social worker a few things about you? And it was like, yes, absolutely, please. And so I could provide the history quite precisely. And the patient was listening, going, that's good. Yes, I was verifying with him. And yeah, so it was really very effective, very effective. Now I can keep an eye on that patient and check in with that patient, as well as the social workers. If I notice something or they reach out to me, I automatically have this person right at my shoulder, knows the patient, knows the situation, knows the history, knows everything. And I can go, oh, you know, he's having difficulty with this. And it takes a minute for me to do that. And then she'll reach out to him and say, oh, I heard you're having difficulty with this. And you know, it's like that ongoing teamwork, it, that is reaping benefits. Being part of a great team has been one of my favorite parts of being in clinical practice. It's been so important. And I totally agree with Janie. And being able to hand off a patient in a way that cultivates that trust, sustains that continuity, and enhances care is fantastic. It reduces so much friction for patients and then improves their experience of care overall. And, you know, with a team that really also improves our experience of delivery of care. Now, I say that because it's important, but also, Sarah, it's not all roses. We know that teams can work well and they cannot work well. We've seen lots of nurses join and then leave practice. Everybody needs to be ready when bringing on a nurse into a primary care team. And I think that change management, that making sure there's the right space is so important. From the nurses you talk to, what are some of the things that we as primary care providers should be thinking about when we're adding a nurse into our team? Well, the first thing I think is to think really carefully about what the team wants the nurse to be able to do. So I feel like when I started, if I had known a little bit more about what could happen or what was already expected of me or what was already some good ideas, that would have helped. We figured it out as we went along. And so having a kind of a list or a quite defined idea of how the physicians would find it helpful, having that communication ahead of time, that would be really helpful. I think maximizing that scope is so helpful. A small example is just in the time that I've been working at the two urgent care centers, we're now allowed to do ear flushes, which are very easy, very simple, but it saves the patient a lot of time not having to wait to see a doctor or nurse practitioner if the registered nurse can do it sort of with the, the PCP's blessing. Um, maximizing that scope, getting them comfortable with phone calls, calling patients because there's a lot of follow-up on tasks and that sort of thing. 
So maximizing the scope over time, I think, is really important. And if nurses aren't comfortable getting into primary care because they haven't worked or trained in our clinics before, starting with a scope that they are comfortable with, if they're an eMERGE nurse doing more triage, and if they have been working in a diabetes education center doing more chronic care and education, and then build that scope over time through training, but also just through shared care. And maximizing scope takes time, Sarah. I remember back in our clinic, we do a lot of HIV and hep C treatment. And over time, the nurses have really taken on a leadership role in this, particularly with our hep C programs. I have to say, not only has our capacity increased because of that, but the quality has dramatically increased. Hep C treatment has, of course, changed dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years. But how we do it in our practice, we couldn't have changed the way we have without our nurses who just talk about maximizing scope. They're running the program. They're recalling patients. They're following through. They pull out physicians occasionally when they need to. But most of it's done and led through the nurses, which is fantastic. Well, and I think I'm starting to feel like a little bit of a broken record here, but we really have heard from just about every professional that we've spoken with this season about the real importance of working to build trust and investing in developing as a team, creating those spaces for people to work together. We spoke to Erin Williams, who's a team lead in one of the UPCCs that Spence works in, and she had this to say. My advice to them would be to really spend time building trust as a team. Once you build that trust, it allows you to be able to be vulnerable with each other and being able to lean into the different team members' experience. One thing that I found is just each team member has such a wealth of experience and it's all so varied and broad because we all come from so many different backgrounds. I think though, what's important is when you can build that trust with each other, that you're not afraid to say, I actually don't know much about that. Can you share? And that person really be able to share that. And then it really helps celebrate each other's strengths and that we all have different strengths and different things that we've learned along the way that's wonderful to be able to share. When we first started, we were given like three weeks to come together as a team. And in that time, I got to facilitate creating a team canvas. So we wrote this team canvas of our goals and visions for the clinic, how we wanted to support the community that we served and some actionable items, and then how we wanted to be as a team and interact as a team. And so in setting up these guidelines or defining how we would interact as a team, I think were really helpful because it was the team that created these, you know, one was to find joy and play in our workplace. One was to treat every interaction as the other person was well-intentioned and to be well-intentioned in every interaction with each other. I think it's great to be able to set expectations and define norms within a group of how you want to be and how you want to interact. This is just so foundational to team-based care. So the third thing that we really want to highlight is the importance of being ready to communicate about things that go well and, you know, things that don't go well create opportunities for teams to reflect together, learn together, and then, you know, maybe change practice. So let's recap. What are the key considerations for nurses in primary care? Nurses have a huge possible scope of practice, and there can be real value of honing in on specific care areas. So chronic disease, preventative care, urgent care, specific patient populations. It can be really valuable to narrow the scope and what's most needed in your clinic and then build up from there as a first step. And then encourage nurses to find care gaps and generate innovative solutions to fill them. They're a wonderful member of the team, and they've got some fantastic ideas about how to improve the care. And I think if you structure the work so that nurses have opportunities to build those relationships with patients and with the team, that really feeds into the other two recommendations, right? If the relationships are there, 
nurses can identify the gaps because they're connected to the patients. If the relationships are there, they're also able to identify those areas of interest or areas that they might want to dive into first in terms of specific focus areas for scope. Absolutely. And with those three things to wrap up, that kind of wraps up this episode on nurses and primary care teams. Thanks for listening to this episode of Team Up and join us next week when we talk about another role. And we'd love to hear from listeners as always. So drop us an email at isu at familymed.ubc.ca with any ideas or things you'd like to see in future episodes. Thanks for listening. 